And welcome to Stack Hunters. I'm Bradley Stalder at FF Stalder, but also on the clock. And joining me tonight is Theo Greminger, our director of content here at Player Profiler. We've done some best ball drafts together before, but wow. Okay, we we see Travis Kelsey go off. I haven't got many shares of Justin Jefferson. I think Jefferson's just take Justin Jefferson, Bradley. You're not overthinking it. it. We're not overthinking it. I don't have a lot of shares. Haven't drafted out of the 101 very often here on FFPC. I got the 102. Theo's got the 105. And we're live in the FFPC best ball streets. And here we go, Theo. Oh, it just timed me out. That's fine. I had him in the queue anyway. Tyree Kill, <laughs> love him at the love him at the 105. Yeah, he's been an easy smash for me in the best ball streets at the 105. I think he's comfortably going ahead of the Cooper Cups and the Austin Ecklers at this point, especially for the wide receiver builds. If you're focusing on a singular hero RB or if you're focusing on zero RB, that Tyreek Hill in the mid first round is is a pretty easy click. So I think that there's a case to be made that he could finish as wide receiver one overall. It's not a very difficult case to be made. Plus, you get the incredible spike weeks in this sort of a best ball format. The guy's unbelievable. I think he could have 2,000 yards receiving this year in Miami. By all accounts, it looks like he's dominating camp. He feels more comfortable with the offense. And you have to expect the offense will be a little bit better in year two, even though it was very efficient last year. Two, hopefully he stays healthy. But year two for Mike McDaniel, maybe they put some more wrinkles and Bradley, he was uh, very unlucky uh, with the with the touchdown department for having that many targets. He only had seven touchdown receptions. When we we talk about positive regression, that Tyreek Hill needs to be in that conversation, even though he was completely dominant. I think you need to put a dollar in the positive regression jar, there, Theo. <laughs> no, it's the the Matt Kelly does not like the positive regression term, but it is it's a good way of looking at things for guys. We want to explain why they're going to bounce back this year. I'll just throw out the word positive regression, Bradley. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Jalen Brout in the chat. Let's go. Pump to hear Theo's strategy in the FFPC tonight. I know many others are as well. It's uh it's a fun time, the FFPC streets. We've done some, as I said, we drafted together a team uh what two months ago. We were able to get Jalen Hurts at the 309 in that draft. I still I think that was the furthest up until that point that Hurts had fallen. I th- he's now becoming a back end of the round two pick sometimes we've seen some shifts and we'll talk about some of the players that are are changing some ADP shifts and especially how the new free agent running backs have have signed how that's impacting their ADP but before we get into all of that a word from Matt Kelly about rival fantasy Hey, we've got to talk about Rival Fantasy today. Rival Fantasy, they're a huge supporter of everything we do. The podcast channel, the YouTube channel, it's possible because of Rival, and they have an incredible new offer. With promo code PLAYER, promo code PLAYER, you double your deposit up to $200, and you get $25 in bonus bucks, so it's $225 additional to play in NFL preseason. You can do their props on the fantasy book, where it's over, under, over, under, over, under, up to five guys. The more over-unders you hit, the higher your payout. And they have their challenges for the community. You can say, hey, I think that Player X is going to go over this many fantasy points, and someone takes you up on it. They take the other side. It's great. I love their fantasy bingo, where you can do five across, you can do four in the corner, black it out, just 
predicting fantasy points on your favorite players, especially in preseason. The promo code is PLAYER, where they match your deposit up to $200 plus those $25 in bonus bucks. This offer is insane. That's right. Check out our friends at Rival Fantasy. That's my favorite ad so far, Theo. You want to know why? Because it featured Dwayne McBride. Dwayne McBride, one of my on brand. Unfortunately, it looks like Ty Chandler is poised to be the the running back two in Minnesota. He seems to have that on lockdown. We haven't heard a lot of rumblings about McBride or or any of the other running backs. They have brought in some some free agent depth to to camp body, take some blows. But I think it's Ty Chandler right now. Are you in agreement there? Yeah, I think it's Ty Chandler. I have a hero and zero RB target and values list article coming out and a little bit of video content with that. And Ty Chandler made it, Bradley. I think that he's interesting. They they are potentially looking at a couple of these veteran running backs. Mike Davis was brought in. So I think that that's an indictment about the, the, the depth. Maybe they want to bring in a veteran. But I think at this point in the season, if the season started tomorrow, Ty Chandler is seeing some work every single week. He looked good catching the football and how much volume can Alexander Madison handle? I think Alexander Madison will start the season quite well, but how, how long he can go is, is a question mark because the guy's never really seen that sort of volume and I'm, I'm skeptical. So we'll see. I think Ty Chandler is, is he's fine where he's being drafted, but I, I am interested to see if they're, if they're bringing in a Mike Davis, does that mean that they're also potentially talking to, Fournette, Kareem Hunt, some of those backs that we like. Yeah, we thought for we thought Kareem Hunt would sign a couple like last week. He visited the Colts, he visited the Saints. No deals were done. Instead, it's Ezekiel Elliott and Dalvin Cook, who are the free agent running backs who are signed. We're going to talk about Ramondre Stevenson coming up here in just a bit, but Ramondre is he? He's obviously got the better. Efficiency metrics, he was a prolific pass catcher last year, but we might be dealing with a different offense where they're not dumping the ball off as much. They might be a little bit more competitive in games, and maybe, just maybe, Ezekiel Elliott gets more converted touchdowns at the goal line than Ramondre. I've been seeing Stevenson in the underdog streets fall into the back end of the third round, flirting with the top of the fourth, is that the right amount of fall or reaction to Ramondre Stevenson? I think in terms of the running back hierarchy, he's still interesting because of the receiving upside. But Bradley, I feel like in the underdog world, it just becomes when you're staring at Ramondre Stevenson at that point in the draft and you have all of those all of those wide receivers. Okay, so I'm going to see who Team BMP Belts uh, takes because I only have one player in my queue right now, Bradley. Ooh, this, this has is... been a, a Q murder. <laughs> Look, there have been a lot of great wide receivers. Amon Ra stuck around till the 2-2 in this draft. A.J. Brown went 2-3. Nick Chubb surprisingly went 1-9 there. So that's the 109 has zero wide receivers through the first two picks, Chubb and Mark Andrews. But yeah, it's been a murderer's row of wide receivers. Okay, so that's what I, I wanted to happen because I, I want to have a Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill build here. I think this might be my second in this tournament with, with Tyreek and Jalen Waddle as a start. 
but I still like it a lot. So I'm going to lock it in. Jalen Waddle right here. I love him. The kind of upside I get at the at the, the the mid the later later half of the of the second round here is incredible with Waddle. Yeah, that's a that's a nice little stack. You can go some Baltimore later. You can go with the, yeah, maybe you can, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, it's... Lamar Jackson, and you also have obviously Tua, and you can build on with Ravens wide receivers for that right. that that last game. And it just those guys are great. They had a fifty two percent combined target share last year. It's incredible. And they haven't really brought in a, the sort of players that can really take away from that. I think there's a chance that they add to Waddle's target total. Maybe Tyreek goes down to 155 and Waddle's goes up. But they're both such incredibly efficient players. I'm excited for this Miami offense. Yeah, We, love, you- we love consolidation, Bradley. I know you love it too. I, I love it. I think we focused on – I've done, I drafted a lot of Miami-Baltimore in in these drafts but also in the underdog streets so it's been a game i've been targeting last time that the baltimore ravens and miami dolphins played they combined for 80 points and so like this could be a massive shootout even if the ravens have an improved defense yeah give me a lot of baltimore miami in week 17 it's just so the only thing i worry about is i have a bunch of them too so mm-hmm. I know you do. So it's that's been a game that so many people are targeting that you it's it's hard to be like it it's really hard to do that cuz it's going to be so common. It doesn't mean right. it's it's not right cuz I think Baltimore and Miami are both going to be put up a ton of points during the season and like we talked about it's predictable who the players are that are going to be scoring fantasy points for them. Baltimore's got some interesting guys though like one of the FFPC competitors Shout out to Billy Muzio. I'm 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 not saying them by name on this. They they talked about how common the the Bateman Lamar Jackson stack is. That's Obviously, Mandrews and Lamar was very common, but so was the Bateman and Lamar. I think just based on the price point of Bateman, with him being off the field, now he's back. But with him having injury concerns, he was pushed down. So a lot of Lamar Jackson teams were able to get him. So I don't know. It's it's very interesting when, when we start looking this this far into the season for those stacks. Yeah, it, it it's maybe it's Bateman, maybe it's Zay Flowers this year, maybe it's Odell Beckham if he can hold on, stay healthy. But I'm on the clock here, Theo, and there there's a flat tier of wide receivers. It's the elite quarterbacks are still hanging out here, and then there's ugliness at the running back position. So this is a, a real. A real tough spot, but I'm going to go with Josh Allen at this spot. First quarterback off the board, and unfortunately, it's a it's a tough thing to go at the turn. I'd rather have like the the 111, 112 in these types of drafts rather than the 101, 102, because it feels like it flat tiers unless someone really falls off. And now I'm left with, should I go with one of the running backs? Should I go with a tight end? And who can lead me to the promised land? Like, <laughs> it's Buffalo, New England. Maybe I can correlate that way. But I'm as we said, I think that the Ramondre Stevenson value isn't there. Yeah, it's interesting because Josh Allen was a guy that could have, was a potentially a Cincinnati Buffalo game being played away from having back-to-back QB one overall seasons. And now he's the QB three in almost every single draft. 
You're getting slightly unique with the Jefferson Allen and your OTC now. Where you get where you're at here, Bradley? Oh, Calvin Ridley. Okay. See, I'm a Calvin Ridley guy, so this is a player that if there's someone who will end up in round two as a value, like I, I could see him paying off into round two, like the the Garrett Wilson, Jalen Wild, Devonta Smith. I think he can get into that range pretty comfortably. With the target share, with an ascending Jaguars offense, I'm not worried about... He's not like past the AJ packs or anything, and he's been a career target hog. I've made my case about Calvin Ridley on other podcasts, but I'm not worried about the year layoff or year and a half layoff. I think that when it comes to dissecting the Calvin Ridley situation, we are we're concerned about is his mental state ready or right. And I think that the fresh start in Jacksonville getting acclimated, like he was good to go what back in March and he's been in training camp. He's lit it up and he's historically been a 25% target share guy. And we like Trevor Lawrence. So I think that this allows me to be unique. I like Ridley as a wide receiver two on a build and yeah, this is a, a player that looking at the rest of the round three wide receivers, I'm not overly yeah. enthused. Like it's DK Metcalf, if you want. It's Keenan Allen, if you want. It's Debo Samuel, if you want. Like it's dealer's choice at that point. And I'd rather have an ascending offense with the number one wide receiver on it. The third round is more beat up today than it is yesterday because you had the chance of Brees Hall getting healthy with less running back competition behind him and being a fixture by the time we drafted at the end of the month. You also had Ramondre Stevenson, who was like a, a very attractive pick in this range. I think 307 for him is going to end up like when we look back in a couple of days, I think 307 is going to be, you know, a little bit ahead of ADP. It's not bad where, where he was just taken, but yep. he's a little less safe. So the third round, it happens every year, Bradley, where the third round is just full of potential landmines. So for me, it's in managed, it's when you have an opportunity to take an elite quarterback in the third, I feel like it's a little bit more attractive today than it was before. I went T Higgins. I know you're not crazy about T Higgins, but I think he's, I think of him as a guy who's going to have spike weeks and I love having him as my wide receiver three. And I, for me, I have him in that same tier with DK Keenan Allen, I like a little bit more in managed because I think that the spike weeks are going to be a little less prevalent in these best ball settings. But in managed, I, I know that I have that expected floor. So I agree with you. Those kind of wide receivers are a little attractive. Jameer Gibbs is attractive in the third, and then the quarterbacks are attractive. TJ Hawkinson's interesting. I considered him. He went one pick after me. But I again, I I wanted to get a three wide receiver start. I think I'm going to build on my strength, and, and then I can make up for it a little later in this draft. Yeah, so someone in the chat asked, why take Josh Allen there at the the 211 and not on the way out? He's definitely going Mahomes there every time. And my my thought is that, honestly, it doesn't matter. Like, I was not going to draft Jonathan Taylor. He was not on my radar at that spot any, at the 211. And uh, Josh Allen, if he comes back to me, I I don't know. There, there was no tier. You weren't, you also, Bradley, it's, I think Don has a has a point, but yeah. but on he has a point on the structural build, but but you end up getting your guy your guy Ridley anyway. But that yeah. is that is a good point, Don. Bradley could have forced the hand of the Mahomes manager, but 
Ridley was going to be there for you at the at the 302. Was Ridley always your plan at the 302? I was hoping that there would have been maybe someone else who would have fallen in the two in the back end of the second round, but with not with the flat tier of everyone else, I was just going to make sure I got Josh Allen. I've seen some crazy builds too where someone went Allen and Mahomes. And so I I don't know. Things things have gotten wonky. So I'm not I wanted to get my guy. I wanted to get Allen at that spot. And I I didn't see a real reason why to shift from uh, how the players shook out. Yeah, no, I hear you. I see Darren Waller going off the board at the 401. <laughs> um, yeah, he's been steaming. I, I took him, Ooh. I took him there, I took him there in a in a 350 players championship a couple weeks ago, and then yeah. I'm in a slow main event. He went there at the 312, and then he went in the 312 at another slow main event. Like I think that that Darren Waller is heading towards mid third round, and I think that he's getting closer and closer to Hawkinson. A lot of people are digging their heels in and, and moving Waller ahead of Hawkinson in the industry. You're seeing a lot of pretty sharp people on that train. I think Waller's gonna gonna have a very very fun season. I think he could have 130 targets. Where are you out on him, Bradley? Yeah, that feels it's expensive. It's very expensive for a 31 year old tight end who hasn't been healthy the last couple of years. Yeah, has 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 gotten. We have seen him not be the elite tight end that we saw a couple of years ago. He has been good. He, well, he has had, last, so last year was disaster, and he was yes. still tight end ten in points per game. Yeah, so I agree with you that he I feel it's just off. very expensive for a player that it's a a run first team, low pass volume team where his, Darren Waller's main target share is going to come from the slot. And they signed all these slot guys. And Daniel Bellinger is not nobody. Like he's going to be on the field for enough of these snaps to be just annoying enough where, yes, I believe Darren Waller is going to lead the team in targets. I think that he's going to lead the team in receptions. But there's also the the upside question, is Waller going to be able to give you the elite tight end one weeks, like tight end one, two, three weekly finishes that you're drafting him to pay off for at that 4-1? I, I think there are pathways to failure for Darren Waller that that we need to consider as well. Yeah, I hear you. I think at the end of the day, though, if you're trying to chase upside at the tight end position, you want guys who could lead their te- your team in in targets. And I think he would certainly be one that we would. I think we would make that bet, Bradley, that he leads all New York Giants in targets this year. Are you on yes. that train? Yeah, I, be- so, I believe so that. <laughs> that's half. That's half the battle. And I think that he also profiles as a potential red zone threat for them. Okay, so I'm going to be OTC in a moment here. Yeah, um, I really like your build so far. If I can just talk about it, you mentioned that I'm not a big fan of T. Higgins, but I'm not a fan of him in the mid second round. And then you get him in at the three five. I think that's a good value. And I also think that he, yes, T. Higgins didn't have like elite upside. He didn't have any top five weeks last year. He had a 0.6% top five rate, but he had a 17% top 10 rate which was Stefan Diggs type, Tyreek Hill type. And so getting him as your wide receiver three, I think fits really well with your build. You can also go zero RB. You've yeah. got a lot of flexibility attacking this wide receiver position early. 
I'm debating Joe Burrow right here. I feel like I lose the edge pushing Burrow right here and not another wide receiver. But I think Joe Burrow is probably the play. I would like, I'm not going to table talk, but I like the the Chicago combination with Fields and Moore. But I don't think Moore would come back to me at the 505 or Fields would. So I'm going to lean into the correlation and I'm going to take Joe Burrow here. I don't love it though, Bradley, but I'm going to do it. That feels early, Theo. Yeah, it feels early, but again, I build the correlation with Cincinnati, and I think that if I had pushed around another wide, I think that there's going to be a few players I really like at the 505, but I like like Burrow, and I don't think it's crazy early. Like right now... No, it's not. Burrow, it goes... He goes like two picks later in these in these drafts. I think he's going at 47 overall. So I took him just at maybe two picks ahead of ADP. But again, I get that T. Higgins correlation. There's there's chances to build on the on the Bengals stack in cheaper ways a little bit later. So I feel like I took the foot off the gas a little bit, but I'm not going to hate my build based on a Joe Burrow T. Higgins connection. No, I think that that's going to be fine. And then you can push quarterback a little bit with Miami and Tua. So you can focus on other players, maybe some running backs later or your tight ends. You the direction of your team and your gosh darn it. I wanted Christian Watson to correlate with Justin Jefferson and it didn't happen. That's that's <laughs> that's a tough spot, but we'll bounce back. We're looking at some wide receivers here. There are some good ones available there's also you mentioned this is this is an interesting spot to take to take fields but more already went off the board yeah watson judy has been like the 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 age-old like argument right now we we actually had a segment about this billy and i did bradley about how like they both present upside they're exactly the same age they both are the in my opinion the the wide receiver to draft in their own offenses but interested interested to see who you take right here yeah, I'm going to go with Travis Etienne. I'm not a huge Etienne stan, but he fell about seven or eight spots after ADP. He correlates with Calvin Ridley, and it gives me even more direction with with my build so I can get some Jacksonville later. And yeah, I, I, don't, I don't mind that at all. You end up with, with double-tapping Jacksonville. Etienne's yeah. a little bit beat up right now, but again, you get him uh, almost in the fifth round, so I, I don't mind that. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with with Travis Etienne falling to that spot. And as my running back one at the end of the fourth, fine. Maybe we'll anchor a little bit. We'll see if there's any other value. I do a lot of the round eight, nine, 10, 11 running backs too. And that's been what I've been noticing is a, a trend of my draft strategy. I've been focusing a lot on wide receivers. So I might just take, there are, there are some real nice wide receivers available at the spot and I might be able to, We'll see. Maybe I could have taken Christian Kirk and then come back around with Lawrence, but nevertheless, I'm not going to do that. We'll take we'll take some Jerry Judy as well and get some wide receiver, fill it out. We talked about his upside. The interdivisional matchups could be really nice, but with versus Mahomes versus Justin Herbert and the Vegas Raiders are going to be bad this year. So there's a lot of interdivisional matchups where the Denver Broncos could be in some big shootouts. Yeah, I like the pick, Bradley. I think that Trevor Lawrence pushing him up because you already have double tapped the Jacksonville Jaguars would have been a consideration, but I understand what you did. Yeah, we'll see if the 
Christian Kirk drafter will come back around and take him. Maybe the Evan Ingram will. If not, then Trevor Lawrence, I've seen him fall 10, 12 spots in drafts, whether it's on FFPC or other sites. We'll see if that is an occurrence. And if it is, then Lawrence as a second quarterback, two quarterbacks in the first six rounds is a, is a direction we can go. There's also some other stacking that can happen later on or correlation that might be able to present itself. So Theo, you went Joe Burrow and then Kyle Pitts at tight end. Yeah, I like like Pitts because I feel like taking Pitts here, there's a lot of upside potential. We've already seen him have a 1,000-yard season, and I think that he's going to bounce back this year, Bradley. And what to what extent, I'm not sure, but I think him going off the board as as tight end 7, I think that's a that's a solid price. I didn't have to reach for him. I took him right around ADP. Um, there's some chance to build on that Chicago Atlanta uh, game stack, which is a kind of a sneaky one, a pivot off of like the the Miami Baltimore one. But I, I like it because structurally, I've done a couple of these entries where I completely punt tight end, and I feel like I'm playing catch up, and it forces my hand in the second half of the draft, where I end up having to have a four tight end build, or I'm forcing a three tight end build where I'm kind of like taking stabs at that tight end middle class, which there's some guys that we like in that range when I know that the hit rates for those guys is far less than these upper level tight ends. So I've already seen it with Kyle Pitts. Like we talked about, it's guys who can lead their team in targets. Pitts still has that in his range of outcomes. And last year, the guy was steamed up to the second round in a format like this. He went in the first round in some of these, and now he's going in the fifth. So I think the market has corrected itself. And I'm, I'm happy to have a pitch share in a, in a tournament setting like this. Yeah, you talk about consolidated target shares. Drake London and Kyle Pitts combined for about 50% target share last year as well. And yes, we don't expect the Atlanta Falcons to be throwing a ton, but still consolidated target share gives you confidence. And Pitts was out targeting pretty comfortably Drake London before he went down with his injury. The only thing I'm monitoring is how Pitts is recovering from his knee injury. He's still, yeah. Uh, that's something that has been probably driving down his ADP or or is a, is a reason why he's not being steamed up at this point. You see him kind of neck and neck with Goddard, and Kittle usually is going ahead of him now because of the concerns. But I think that price is baked in. And again, it's not like I'm going to need points from him week one if he's slow out the gate. Because this is again, it's best ball, and I, I like my my ability to to draft tight end talent in FFPC. I draft FFPC a lot, so I I think it's for me. It's I'm drafting for ceiling with Pitts, and I'm I'm drafting like he's going to be healthy. Burrow has a slight injury concerns as well, but I think that's why I was able to get a Burrow Pitts in in the fourth round. Yeah, Burrow Pitts in the fourth round. Christian Kirk and Trevor Lawrence both did go off in round five. Lawrence to the Ramondre and Najee Harris drafter at the 107, the 107 drafter. It yeah, it's getting a little interesting. The, the sixth, <laughs> the sixth round is very running back heavy. It's just like the nature of the beast right now that we've seen so much wide receiver enthusiasm that if you're a structural drafter right now, you're going to like your, your opportunities in the, in the sixth round at the running back position. Usually it's a, it's a range where, In historical seasons, it's a very dead zone, but I can paint a picture for five, six guys that are on the board right now as guys that I wouldn't mind adding. So I know I have a few running back selections coming up. That being said, 
there's also a couple of these high upside wide receivers that I could push up. Yeah, I wonder if we're literally looking at eight straight running backs versus ADP that are available um, in the neck in the general queue. So, and, and a bunch of them have been steamed up. We've seen one of them, Javante Williams, come back from the injury. Theo, are you believing that Javante Williams is actually healthy, or is this just Sean Payton giving positive buzz to his his lead running back? I think he's healthy. I think that the fear is that there is more of a split than Javante Williams drafters want with uh, P. Ryan kind of seeing some of those high, high value touches. But I, I drafted, I was drafting Williams when he was in the eighth round. I have a Javante Williams eighth round main event share, which could be really, really nice. There goes Rashad White. That was one of the guys that I had in my queue. I might push running back here, Bradley. I might just not, not, not dive in on it because. There's a couple of guys I really like here. And Miles Sanders, we have any update on the potential injury there? He's still questionable. He has a strained groin. Chuba Hubbard has been getting a lot of work even before Miles Sanders was um, injured. Chuba Hubbard was splitting 50-50 per Cody Carpentier. This is a situation I, I saw, I've been really Cody, avoiding. I saw Cody on that one. I I, Cody knows his stuff on that sort of stuff thing, but based on the contract they gave Sanders, I like Chuba Hubbard. He's in my article, but if Miles Sanders was completely healthy, I'd consider him here. I just feel like it's a completely foot off the gas type pick. Yeah, I think there's a number of running backs that might fall to me in the next round, and I am going to go ahead and I'm going to push up a wide receiver here. Let's go. Let's go. I think I'm going to get a little unique, and I'm going to push up now what? Actually, I'm now I'm having second thoughts, <laughs> but I, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to push up George Pickens, and I'm going to get Pickens in here as my wide receiver four, who I think is going to have some spike weeks, and it's an easy opportunity me opportunity for me to build a little extra correlation if I want to dive into Pickett and some of these other Pittsburgh pieces, Friermuth. Yeah, George Pickens, thirty five percent of the time last year was a flex play for your best ball leagues as a rookie. That was in the same range as your, it was the same as Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. That was a really nice floor for George Pickens. So now I feel feel like I influenced the next two picks too, Bradley, by by doing that. Yeah. Look at you, ADP influencer. That's it. I forced, I forced the board to go Jackson Smith and Jigba, who was my other consideration. So I think I'm more likely going to get one of these running backs coming back to me at the 705, but also if there's a complete wide receiver steam, I might dive back into wide receiver. You have to read the board here in the 6-7 turn. Yeah, I'm also going to push uh, running back. I'm going to get the stack with Gabe Davis. That was He's a player I've been taking a lot of. Yeah, he double-tapped running back there. Damian yep. Pierce, Javante Williams, that was nice. And then... We're also going to go with my second running back, James Cook, to stack. Nice so, nice play. I like that. I had James Cook in my tier. I think it's wishful thinking that he would have been there at the 705, but I do like him a great deal. Yeah, so I've been warming up a little bit, but I've also been taking some late Latavius Murray, Theo. <laughs> I know, I know. You're a meme now. You've turned yourself into a meme. You're a Latavius Murray backer. 
This look, Latavius Murray was running back eight last year in PFF rushing grade behind a terrible def- offensive line for Denver. And at 33 years old, he was playing splitsies with Damian Harris in camp, and he had better underlying metrics last year. I think there are worse last round picks than Latavius Murray this year. So for me right here, Bradley, I did want Cam Akers. I considered him last pick when I took Pickens. This becomes an interesting pick for me. Well, Miles Sanders Dalvin here in the just go off, which I think is fine. You get yeah. the head start with Dalvin Cook. For me, I'm going to dive right back into wide receiver, and I'm going to take a high upside play with Jahan Dotson and push him Ooh. up. Draft so, him. Interesting that you passed on the correlation of Tyler Lockett there, because Lockett's not going to come back to you. Yeah, I'm. 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 I'm into Tyler Lockett, but I don't. I think that this is going to be an interesting season for him. I'm not as bullish yeah. on him as some people. I think he's fine. I would prefer him in in a in a redraft setting, but yeah, that's that's where I'm at. So, with regard to your Jahan Dotson, I love the pick as well from its like on its own because last year Jahan Dotson had a 30.5 percent rate of top 18 weeks. Terry McLaurin only had a 20 percent rate. So, it, I mean, this is a higher floor guy, almost a, a higher ceiling than Terry McLaurin as well. Now, we have questions at the quarterback position of who is he going to favor. McLaurin has historically commanded 23, 25% target share, but Dotson's also an ascending piece, first round pedigree. And we like Jahan Dotson, and I think it's a good value. So, he's going to fill in a nice little floor with your spike week wide receivers at the top of your draft. Yeah, I'm I'm big into Jahan Dotson. I think Jahan Dotson is a stud, and I think that the volume is going to go way up for him this year. It's year two. You have Eric Bieniemy. I think that Curtis Samuel could be a little bit annoying for both McLaurin and Dotson, but they have some issues at at tight end right now. Although Cole Turner made a couple of plays in that preseason, but Logan Thomas is banged up. But I like a couple of these pieces from Washington. I think everything's pushed down because because people have some question marks about Sam Howell now. I actually think Sam Howell is going to be fine for fantasy. I don't know how he's going to be as a as a winning quarterback in the NFL, but I do think that there's a chance that he concedes the job to Jacoby Brissett during the season if the if Washington starts off slow. But I, I do think that Sam Howell is the kind of guy that can help elevate some of these wide receivers. And Dotson, people love to pick holes on his game because he scored so many touchdowns. It's just it's a ridiculous uh, r- ridiculous time of year. Bradley, where people just want to criticize Christian Watson and Jahan Dotson because they're not sustainable. Listen, getting in the end zone is a good thing. We don't need to overthink these things in, in football. Certainly his touchdown rate will go down, but I think he's going to make up for it with the targets going way, way up. Yeah, I love Dotson. You mentioned Christian Watson. One of my pieces of content that's coming out is league winners, and I picked a league winner as Christian Watson this year. He's a player that I'm very big on. High-end wide receiver, too. And I was, as I said, I was ticked earlier that I did not get him at the 411. But Thanks but a lot, Bradley, because I, I was considering having him be my league winner, but I can't have the same league winner as you on, <laughs> on the video content. So I'm going to have to find a new league winner because of Bradley. But I think Christian Watson, like Scott Barrett came on uh, press coverage. I, I highly recommend Scott's work. I think he's super, super sharp. Um, and he's all over Watson. Billy likes him. You like him. I like him. He's... It's sometimes we've got to step back 
and just use our eyes and look at and I sound like a like a meathead here. I I like analytics, Bradley. You sound like, like Billy Muzio here. No, but I think certain <laughs> times you need to take a step back and watch the film. Yeah. And Christian Watson is like one of these guys that everyone in the NFL secondary is fast, but Christian Watson runs away from people and he's big and strong and physical. And his competition for targets at the wide receiver spot are another second year player in Romeo Dubs and a first-year player in Jaden Reed. And then I like Luke Musgrave, and you like Luke Musgrave, Bradley, but Luke Musgrave is not going to come in and, and have a commanding target total. He's going to be a kind of a touchdown. He's going to be a, in a perfect world, Luke Musgrave is like a Gerald Everett outcome this year, a guy who's going to build his, his season on touchdowns and a couple of spike weeks here and there. And Bradley, I'll say this, there's a chance that Aaron Jones takes a step back this year. He's older, and he does not have Aaron Rodgers in the fold. So we don't know Jordan Love's propensity for checking down and elevating Aaron Jones. So to me, Christian Watson, if I'm an NFL offensive coordinator, I'm scheming to get him the ball. I think he's an incredibly explosive talent, and I'm hoping that there's a certain level of tunnel vision from Jordan Love to him when things are, are going his way. And I think he's going to get double teamed. I think like he's going to be the focus of the defense. I think that's a, a fear. But drafting talented players that get schemed for that's the name of the game, right? Yeah, and we're we're in the best ball streets, and we want the high upside, great athletes. This is a player, Christian Watson, last year at a 2.4 yards per route run. That was 12th among all wide receivers. 12th as a rookie. But let's take a step back. He missed a 75-yard touchdown on that first play. You add that yardage together, it's 2.52. That gets him into the elite of elite company. He just dropped one. Of all of the targets, he only had one other drop the entire season. So this is a player that it was just a fluke. He has elite upside, and to get him at the back end of the fourth round is an absolute smash. And so we like Dotson. We like Christian Watson. And that now we're getting into probably some of the rookies that are coming off the board. We just saw Jordan Addison. I was maybe hoping he would fall a little bit, but he's been getting steamed up at camp by the Minnesota Vikings, he's already pegged himself as the as the third in the depth chart, but he he'll quickly become the second in the in this Minnesota depth chart. And I expect that we're gonna get four wide or four receivers on this team, including TJ Hawkinson. They get a hundred plus targets. And I, and Addison's among those players. I, I like him in round back in around seven, even in around eight. Yeah, I like Addison a lot, and I think that it's, the NFL lies a lot on these depth charts, and they make these younger players earn it. Jordan Addison's a stud. He's great value right there in the eighth. I've taken him in the seventh, but I have been drafting him in the eighth like multiple times in FFPC formats. I think you'll see his ADP rise a little bit this as the month moves on. When we get to the holiday weekend, I think people are going to be a little bit more comfortable with him. But there's a lot to Bradley. If he just sees Adam Thielen's uh, run, then it's going to be a smash season for him. I think he could finish legitimately inside of the wide receiver two line and you got him in the eighth round. Yeah. Wide receiver 24, given the pass volume of the Minnesota Vikings, the Vikings and the chargers are going to be among the top pass, not only pass rate, but pass volume teams in the NFL. And we want pieces of that. You mentioned if Addison just steps into the Adam Thielen role, that could be a, a buoy for your fantasy teams. And we're looking at structure here. Let's take take a moment and focus on the, the structures you've had so far, Theo. You started with 
Tyreek Hill went Jalen Waddle. So you have the Miami correlation. You got T Higgins as your wide receiver three stacked him with burrow at the end of round four. Then you went Kyle Pitts to fill out the tight end spot. You've been a hammering wide receiver. You have no running backs. You pushed running back and was, you were still enamored by Jahan Dotson is running back on your radar for this pick that's coming up here in just a moment. Yeah, so for me, there's a few running backs I like right here. Uh, Traylon Burks was in the queue as well as another wide receiver consideration. But it's a, a question mark here, Bradley. If I want to add to the, to the, the Miami stack with Tua, this is the pick to make him because I don't think he'll last to 905. Where are you at, Bradley, on that? Do you think he 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 wraps around for me? He he might. Looking he might at... go to the stack hunters at at, eight, at, at <laughs> late eleven or. So I'm gonna I'm gonna roll the dice once again, and I'm oh, gonna be able to shut it down. It. I'm gonna shut it down at quarterback with Tua, and I'll be able to do a two quarterback build here while other people are chasing quarterback two and quarterback three, and I will have Tua, Waddle, and Tyree Kill and. There we go. To a tongue of Ilo in the eighth. I pushed him up a little bit to get the stack. I, I don't hate it. I think he would have come back around. I wouldn't have taken him at that spot. But f- speaking of double quarterbacks, Theo, we've got a question in the chat. Faux outrage. Why does team four take two early quarterbacks and send one of their top five picks to the bench each week? I do get the f- more fields stack, but this seems suboptimal overall. So I'll take this one, Bradley, because I used to think this was the biggest square fish move that you could do. But our friends at Fantasy Mojo, Darren Armani, has actually tracked the win rates on two quarterback builds in this format with the FFPC. The two quarter early quarterback build actually hits better than you would think. Um, this is a best ball thing, obviously. But there's something about the build with a Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, where... I don't necessarily hate it. I've, I would encourage you to check out Fantasy Mojo's work because he could he can explain it a lot better than I I have. I'm actually will ask him that he's going to be on with us for first class fantasy three thirty on Thursday, and I'm going to make sure and and ask him about that because he did a he's he, win rates are his thing, and sometimes the ugly double taps of the position in these these are slim best balls. So a traditional best ball would be like a twenty eight rounder. But these, Bradley, used to be like an 18-rounder. Now they're a 20-rounder. But in a 20-round best ball, the two early quarterback strategy actually has decent win rates. Yeah, I, I was, I'm more of a fan of the early quarterback. I don't know if I would have gone like that early with two of the five. But we saw last year with the win rates are very high. But there are also some millionaire winners who drafted Jalen Hurts and... Joe Burrow on the same team and you just see quarterback fall at that spot and you take advantage of the spike weeks that exist for quarterback who scores. Yes, it's PPR. So like the relative scoring positional scoring is not as high for quarterbacks as it is. in let's say half PPR scoring, but still on the bye weeks, if you hit the nuts on the bye week that your quarterback one went off, then then that puts you at an advantage over 
competitors in your league there we know what kind of upside these quarterbacks can have and if he goes he goes off during the week that your other starter went off then that's a a massive shift for you it's it's a and here you go bradley you're otc why don't you talk it out i know so there are two players i'm considering i'm considering pacheco because the adp value but i'm also considering kirk cousins to stack so those how are many Vikings two, are you at? Let me see. I'm just at I'm just at I'm just at Jefferson, and I'm happy with ETN, James Cook, AJ Dillon. So I'm gonna go with. Although Kirk you're at, you're right didn't now. You take you took Addison as well, right? No, I didn't take Addison. Okay, sorry about that. I misread that. It's okay. I still went Cousins there at that spot. He wasn't gonna come back around to me. And I missed out on Trevor Lawrence by trying to push quarterback anyways. And that's a fine at ADP value. And I've got Minnesota Green Bay correlation with the A.J. Dillon selection earlier. That's what I was thinking with Dillon at that spot. We also mentioned that there may be ambiguity with the running backs, how they're going to be deployed. A.J. Dillon was a second-round pick. He was He's played solidly behind Aaron Jones, but Jones is on the last year of his contract. He had to renegotiate. The Packers were going to cut him if he didn't renegotiate his contract. And... Dylan has been a goal line monster. That's why we were upset at how Aaron Jones didn't get the, the goal line work. And I think that, yes, we usually say, oh, touchdown regression is in the works for Aaron Jones. I'm not as sure about this situation, given the role that A.J. Dillon has, the uncertainty of the offense, and yeah, just what A.J. Dillon has done over the last few years. He's been a consistent contributor. So getting him at the 8-11 where he could usurp Aaron Jones this season for the Packers to find out if they want to extend Dillon even further. This is a player that that I've been drafting a little bit more at the at back in the eighth round, beginning of the ninth round. Yeah, I like Dillon. I like Dillon. I think he's fine this year. And I talk about, again, I don't dislike Aaron Jones. I know Billy's big on him, but I think there's a chance. Dylan's had very predictable volume the past two seasons. His problem last year, Bradley, is he was drafted in the fifth round and he disappointed. He also started the season out very slowly, but he finished the season very strongly. So I I like him. I think LaFleur uses him. I think that's a safe bet. And again, Aaron Jones has been very fortunate with his injuries the last two seasons. He's been on the field for the majority of the time, and he certainly produced big time. But again, when these running backs start getting a little bit older and we have a quarterback change, things can happen. And I think that Dylan, he's certainly never going to be like a Derrick Henry where people wanted him to take this massive step forward. But I do think that he's got contingent upside if Jones goes down. And he's got usage upside if Green Bay wants to lean into the running game a little bit more this year to protect the young quarterback. I'm I'm in on AJ Dillon at that. So and then getting Kirk Cousins for the stack, it fits. You went Antonio Gibson, some Washington correlation with Jahan Dotson. It was interesting the first couple preseason games, Brian Robinson running almost the same amount of routes. I wonder if it's more of just getting reps than anything. I'm not like sounding the sirens out of worry that Antonio Gibson's third down role is going to go away. But I, maybe that's just more confidence in Brian Robinson, not so much taking away anything from Antonio Gibson. Cause Gibson, he's a receiving back. He can also handle a lot of touches rushing the ball, but I know that 
he's dealt with injuries and maybe it's that they want to conserve some touches. So I'm happy with, with the Antonio Gibson pick there in the middle of round nine. I think that he could simply be in the Jerick McKinnon role in this offense. And Antonio Gibson's never averaged less than 11 points per game in any season in his, his career. He averaged 11 last year. He gave you two 14 plus point per season games. He's had double digit touchdowns twice in his career. And I think last year, Ron Rivera and Scott Turner were not into him. He sounds like a player who really is into the coaching staff now and, and into his role. Fast rewind a year ago, Bradley, and we were talking about like him being a special teams player, and it seems oh. like they were throwing him under the bus. And then the off-the-field incident with Brian Robinson where he misses time, Gibson gave you a number of usable weeks. Listen, I, I <laughs> here in the ninth round, there's always going to be slight question marks on the court on the uh, running backs, but I think Gibson is, like you said, a guy who can catch the ball, a guy who's given us fantasy success in the past, and I trust the offensive coordinator that he's going to get the ball in, in the correct player's hands, and I, I also built on the, the Dotson stack. So if there's a chance that I think I have the number two and number three target earners in Washington this year behind McLaurin, and I think there's a chance Dotson could lead them in targets. I'm here for that. An interesting selection happened right after yours, Theo, and that was Khalil Herbert at running back 34. He's been reportedly the running back one, running with the ones consistently. He pulled off a big preseason, big 50-yard touchdown play. I think that this is a little heavy on the steam, but obviously we got to stay on brand with Roshan Johnson being the player profiler guy who's also getting some first-team touches. But Khalil Herbert has a realistic chance of being the RB1 to start the season. And at RB34, we saw last year there was a week where David Montgomery left early and Khalil Herbert was still the running back one overall. So how are you deciphering the shift of Khalil Herbert and, and this Bears backfield? I think Khalil Herbert is fine here. The ninth and the tenth round is going to be kind of a, a pick your favorite here, Bradley. I feel like there's like ADP is what it is, but I think when you're talking about trying to measure out the AJ Dillons versus the Khalil Herberts versus the Antonio Gibsons versus the Brian Robinson types, a little bit it's going to be personal preference. Khalil Herbert, people love seeing him score that long touchdown in the in the preseason game, and that shouldn't really move the needle, but it is nice to see guys produce when they're with the first team offense. And Herbert's not a guy that we have really questioned his talent. It's really been the opportunity. Uh, last year, the Bears also had 11 uh, games where their running backs finished inside the RB2 line, despite being one of the bottom 10 offenses in points per game. So I think that taking shots on ambiguous backfields is a great way to, to find fantasy wins at ADP. And if Herbert's your guy, go take him. If Roshan's your guy, go take him. I'm honestly not sure if the Bears coaching staff even knows how this, this backfield's going to go, but I think one of the two could run away with it, and I think that there's a chance that if there's any sort of attrition that when the backfield touches become a little more consolidated, one of those guys could be very, very useful. I have in my, my Zero and Hero RB article that's coming out the Chicago backfield as one of the ambiguous ones that I'm encouraging people to, to take a shot at and even double tap. Because right now you can take Roshan and Herbert, and they're both going in a range where double tapping will not hurt you. Yeah, they're super inexpensive. And with fields, we know that running backs have high efficiency 
with rushing quarterbacks. And we saw it even last year. You mentioned how many games, 11 games where they finished as running back two or a running back two line or better. That's a product of teams having to play the run for both the quarterback and a, a good enough running back room. They're, they're not elite talents, but they're good enough to make, make the magic happen behind the offensive line and, and to keep defenses honest. So we'll, we'll see what can come out of the Chicago bears, but I agree with you. That's a team that I've been leaning into a lot of the ambiguity as well, taking one forties, one fifties, Roshan Johnson and, and taking some Khalil Herbert as well. Man, Bradley, I have two potential correlation plays coming up here at the 1008 with double tapping the Washington running back situation, which I'm not grossed out by because I think you that those guys, be. I think both those guys are going to have solid weekly results and I won't have to guess in a best ball setting. And then I also have the no, I don't want to I don't want to do too much table talking here. <laughs> I have a we guy are live I, streaming, Theo. Usually we record these. I have and then one of table talk. But... I have one of my favorite on brand guys here, Bradley, and I feel like I would be taking from your beautiful stack you're building. So I might be costing the Stalder family two hundred thousand dollars if I take him here. <laughs> Look, Theo, you can let's see think, correlate with Cole Komet. I think that would be a great piece of your build. You haven't gone uh, tight. I, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. I really don't want to snipe you, but I feel like Dalton Jerk McKinnon looks really nice here. Jerk McKinnon McKinnon, McKinnon looks nice. Um, yeah, so there's a couple of running backs, but. Brian Robinson, the double tapping of Washington could be a, a real nice spot for you. I think I got to do it, Bradley. I don't think that there's a better upside play here than Dalton Kincaid as my tight end two in the 10th round here. I'm doing it. I'm sorry, Bradley. I'm sorry to the Stalder family. Billy is, did you hear? Billy has given the go ahead for Theo to launch his new podcast called Snipe Hunters. <laughs> Listen. Listen, this is this was not a snipe. This was me taking the best value. This is not some this is not some lesson I'm trying to to send at Bradley. You can feel free feel free to snipe Theo's me. flexing his best ball muscles. No, no, no. Listen, everyone, this is, this, Bradley's a good friend of mine. I don't want to do it to him, but at the end of the day, Dalton no, Kincaid is, is one the, of my guys. He is one of your guys, and he would have been the selection for me at that spot. Unfortunately, I think this is a good this is a good spot for him. I yeah. don't think he should be going this far apart from kind of the the Dalton Schultz, Tyler Higby tier, which those guys I think have more predictable in terms of targets. But in terms of spike weeks, Dalton Kincaid's going to have a couple of them. So I like getting him there. He doesn't have him and Pitts together. It's a dynasty tight end premium manager's dream right there. Yeah, look, now I'm on the clock. I'm at a one two i've got what four wide receivers three running backs i haven't hit tight end yet what what theo i'm laughing at this this comment bradley <laughs> if anyone ever told you to glance you look like russell wilson <laughs> theo finally Lightly. looks at all yeah, the comments look that's great yeah shout out to don f shout out to <laughs> my man mp from from uh, germany that's, that's excellent mp in the chat very good drafter from germany i believe munich germany mp correct me if i'm if i'm wrong on that Hmm. Yeah, this is this is an ugly tier, Theo. This is a real ugly tier. 
But I think we're going to go with your boy, your boy, Devon A-Chain. So we sniped each other. And I think that we that's that we both identified. I the... did not do that to snipe you for what it's worth as well. Oh, I completely, but, I completely understand. But I was, so I've been taking a lot of double tapping of Charbonnet and A-Chain in these rounds, especially because they can, we saw what Miami did with a split backfield last year. Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert both had multiple games where not only did they score double-digit fantasy points, but they also, both of them scored double-digit fantasy points in the same game. So if A-Chain can, can carve out a significant role ahead of a 28-year-old Jeff Wilson and a 32-year-old Raheem Mostert, A-Chain in the 10th round on a Miami offense that there's a lot of upside. I think you were trying to talk me into a chain in like the eighth or ninth round in previous drafts, like two months I'm, ago. I'm still, I'm still very much in on a chain. And I think and that so the whole, end of 10th round is nice. It's great. And I think that I'm in a slow main event with, with, with Bip Mandel, who's a really, really good FFPC player. And we took a chain. I believe we took him in the ninth round. And I think that there's a little, lot of concern about the fact that he played gunner, and he wasn't with the, obviously, Wilson and, and Mostert are way ahead of him. I do not buy into the whole Salvin Ahmed and Miles Gaskin no. thing. I think it's ridiculous. But A-Chain, very much like Tal- Tyler Al- Algier, very much like Rashad White. You see a <laughs> lot of these guys that, a lot of these guys that kind of, Bradley, like, that make an impact fantasy-wise, they don't do it to start the year. The coaching no. staff looks at, looks at them as the kind of guy that I want to change things up. Maybe there's an injury in the backfield, but I, I think at the end of the day, Devon A. Chain is a special talent, and I think it's a matter of time before he gets weekly usage. So I'm into him. I have a few running backs on the board here that I like for my build as well. I went Tyler Algier. I've been drafting a lot of Algier. He's got the contingent upside, but I've already talked with you, Theo, about my thoughts of how the year is going to start, and it's going to be 65%, 70%. Bijan, but Algier isn't going to fall to a zero. Like they're going to give Tyler Algier, who played very well last year, is one of the top yards after contact per attempt, one of the top PFF rush grade players last year, and had over a thousand rushing yards, which doesn't matter to us very much for fantasy, but it does matter for the counting stats coaches. And so Tyler Algier is a player that I've been drafting a lot of. He has the contingent upside. If B. John goes down, we know that it's going to be Tyler Algier, a solid running back too. And I, I, I like the talent of Algier. I, I'm not saying I've only drafted Bijan when he's fallen around two, and he has fallen around two in some spots. But Algier is more of my my flip on that. To me, I see Algier as a guy who's I don't know how. I don't know how value, valuable his touches are going to be because I feel like he's going to be a, a change of pace back in that offense. They'll use him between the tackles. Obviously, I think that the the running back targets are going to go to Bijan Robinson. And you also have kind of the annoying presence of Cordero Patterson, who's going to get some touches. So to me, like I had Tyler Algier in my article that's coming out because I think he's clearly one of the better handcuff backs in the league. He showed what he could do last year. And they're also have moved Cordero to wide receiver predominantly. So I, I don't mind it, Bradley. I just think at the end of the day, I don't think you're going to have as many usable weeks out of him as maybe a couple of these other running backs that are, 
I think have a little bit uh, higher upside right behind him in this similar range. So, but I, I don't, he's obviously shown his talent. He beat ADP last year as a fifth round guy and ran for the most rushing yards in Atlanta Falcons history by a rookie. You're drafted a guy who's shown it on the NFL field, but I think we have a somewhat argument over just how much usage he's going to get. But hey, we'll find out real soon, won't we? We will, and I I keep leaning into the fact that we we hate Arthur Smith for fantasy. We've been so annoyed by him over the course of the last couple of years with Kyle Pitts and with Drake London. I'm concerned that he's still not going to be able to put it all together for us fantasy managers. So maybe that's just the distrust overall of the coaching staff to deploy what we hope to be the most optimal fantasy fantasy scoring opportunities for for us, whether it is for Bijan or whether it's targets to, to Pitts and to London. So those are like, I'm taking Pitts, for instance, when he's fallen and I'm taking London when he's fallen. Like I got London at 53rd overall today, which is a good value, but it's one of those where I'm leaning into, we just don't trust the coaching staff to be logical. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I hear you. I, I will say, like, Arthur Smith, the, his first year in Atlanta was, like, a little bit better. Like, when he had Matt Ryan behind center, they had over 500 pass attempts. And I will say, Bradley, he does know what he's doing with running backs. Like, he gets running back production. Last year, I think we could – I was as angry as anybody, but I think we could give him a little bit of a mulligan because Marcus Mariota is just kind of garbage. He made Cordero Patterson like a fantasy thing, like Absolutely. out of nowhere. Like he he's the savant when it comes to identifying that. And I think Bijan is going to be a great player for you for fantasy. But I think we're also, we thought that Kyle Pitts put up nice metrics, the air yards, attempted air yards and the target shares. But is it going to come all together this year? I, I'm skeptical from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, there's definitely some question marks for sure, for sure. But I think at the end of the day, it's year three for him. This is a big year. They can win the division. And we certainly like some of the talent on the offense. We love Bijan. I think Drake London and Kyle Pitts are very, very talented guys. So we'll see. We'll see, Bradley. I think we could give him a pass. You know, as long as he keeps things like super consolidated and and you get an ADP win out of your Tyler Algier pick here, Hat big hat tip to Arthur Smith. Theo, we saw two other running backs go up, go off the board at the end of the 11th round that had not been going in the 11th round for most of the season. And that's Ezekiel Elliott and Kenneth Gainwell. Obviously, Zeke signs with the New England Patriots. He's going to be the between the tackles thumper goal line option. We project we hit on this already with Ramondre Stevenson. I've seen Stevenson fall at the end of the third, sometimes beginning of the fourth in drafts. I've been doing over the last couple of days or, or just over the last day. But Kenny Gainwell is at the 11, 12 turn for this drafter. Probably won't be coming back in, in round 13, but Gainwell has been getting a lot of steam. He's been running with the ones. DeAndre Swift has been getting pushed down. We saw him fall in this draft. How much are you buying into the Kenneth Gainwell hype and the DeAndre Swift snuffing? So I, I still prefer DeAndre Swift. I think DeAndre Swift is a better player than Kenneth Gainwell. I think that there's outs for Kenneth Gainwell, though, Bradley. The coaching staff has familiarity with him. They clearly like him a lot. I don't buy into the whole Swift and Penny played 
so therefore Gainwell is ahead. I think it was a veterans deference thing, and they wanted the newer running backs to get usage. And Swift just played very sparingly too. He just got a couple of, of snaps essentially under his belt. I'm still on Swift, but like in redraft, I've been double tapping Swift and Gainwell all off season. I think it's been the way I've played it. Obviously I took Penny tonight, um, but I think that the double tap of Gainwell and Swift is a really nice way to play this Philadelphia backfield. If they are going to increase the targets to the running back position, I think it'll be one of the two. Okay, I'm OTC here. You are, and I was hoping that Gerald Everett would have come back to me, but that didn't happen on this. (laughs) I think I'm going to lean into... I think the pick for me, there's a few guys that are a safer pick, but I think to to catch up at running back here, I am going to lean into Roshan Johnson. I think it's... It's fine value where I'm taking him. Yeah, I, I like would have taken Ir- I, I would have taken a different pick, but the Kincaid kind of position, like there's a couple of tight ends that are interesting, but the Kincaid one kind of pushed me off of it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take Roshan Johnson here and try to play a little bit of catch up at running back with uh, an upside guy that I think could have some very nice weeks. Yeah, that's a this is a player we've discussed already, but he's already getting special teamwork as a rookie. It's good that rookies get special teamwork because that means the coaches want them to practice with the ball in their hands and to see them handle open field. And it's another opportunity for them to 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 get onto the field even. So a player who pushes himself onto the field, whether it's as a punt returner or kick returner that rookie year, that's a good sign. Usually when we get into like year two, year three, year four, and these players who have broken out are punt returning and kick returning, that's a red flag. Like the Antonio Gibson note from last year. But Roshan Johnson getting the punt and kick returning, I think that's a good thing for him. Yeah, I, th- I again, I, I'm fine with Khalil Herbert as well, but I think that there's, if they want to be a little bit more diverse as an offense, I think Roshan Johnson is the best receiver among the three running backs. There's been fine reports about his pass blocking, and this is a player that this coaching staff drafted. Khalil Herbert, they inherited. They went out and signed Deonta Foreman, and they drafted Roshan Johnson. Again, there's a lot of things to like about him. We believe in his talent. I, I know Matt is really, really big into him. I like him, but again, I'm not I'm not anti Herbert. I'm not trying to dissuade people. I think Herbert's a fine value too. It's a it's an offense that we want pieces of, and I think they're easy to get when you get past the fields. If Fields and DJ Moore really, really hit, then I think by by definition the running backs are gonna be gonna go up higher as well. And there is a chance that this could be the offense that supports multiple ADP winners. So I'm I'm in on Chicago right now. I think Eberfluss was a guy we, we thought was an idiot. When he first started because their team wasn't scoring. But now that Eberfluss guy, he looks like he knows what he's doing, Bradley. He does look like he has pieces in place to to put Fields into a successful position. He's he, They traded for DJ Moore. They got offensive line help. They picked up Tunyon as a depth piece. And I'm going to go Greg Dulcich here he fell about two rounds and i i know that there's been some love for adam troutman i get it it's partly correlation partly adp value i also needed tight end but yeah greg dolchich is here for me in the end of the 12th round yeah i mean three i think i think he's 
he's fine. I worry a little bit more about him in, in redraft. If, if this is going to be the usage, I saw a question in the chat about Cole Komet and Dulcich in the same tier. I think they are probably in the same tier, but again, Komet doesn't ha- is going to be a, a safer bet for weekly usage. I think in, in when the game flow is going in Dulcich's direction and we have neutral game scripts or Denver is, is pl- trying to play catch up. I think Dulcich will be very useful, but I do think in like base packages, we might see a little more Troutman than we want. I believe in Dulcich's talent, but again, can he be an every snap player? I don't think so, but Bradley doesn't need it. He just needs the spike weeks for this build. I do need the spike weeks. And unfortunately, Theo, I'm kicking myself because one of the things that I forgot was that Josh Allen and Kirk Cousins have by week 13. The by week boogeyman bit me again. You remember the two? I do ago remember. We I do remember. We we had a beautiful two QB build, and we had to we had to go in and dive in and, and take a third because of the because of our mistake. Sometimes you get the enthusiasm and you don't look at the bye weeks. It's very important. No, in best no, ball. but it still sticks with my stack. So I've got Russ, Judy, and. Greg Dolchich, I've got Cousins and Jefferson, and I've got Josh Allen, James Cook, and Gabriel Davis. So I've got some stacking happening. Maybe we can take some late-round correlation as well as we're going through the draft here. I'm somewhat open with, with who I could take here. I don't feel as scared at running back because I was able to triple-tap it. I still probably should go running back. I think Elijah Mitchell, he's been a little bit banged up and he's missed a lot of games in his career, but he's attractive in the 13th round. I think that the move though, Bradley, is to lean into this Miami backfield situation. I know Jeff Wilson took a little knock, but it doesn't sound like anything serious. I'm going to take Jeff. You know what? I'm actually going to going to pivot here, Bradley. Do it. Maybe I'm gonna happen. I'm gonna do an on the clock pivot, and I'm gonna lean into my my Cincinnati Bengals stack, and I'm gonna take Irv Smith. Let's go tight end three. I'm done at tight end. Everybody enjoy themselves. I'm done at quarterback. <laughs> done at tight end. Your bye weeks aren't overlapping. <laughs> no, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm done. Completely done. Tight end. I have I have three tight ends, and that's good enough for me, Bradley, with this build. No, I like the Irv Smith spike week potential. We saw him be a touchdown red zone monster when he was in Minnesota. It was annoying even from time to time because I was a Tyler Conklin guy and Conklin wasn't getting the touchdowns. He was just getting between the 20s work mostly in Minnesota. I don't mind the Irv Smith as a touchdown upside guy stacking, and this is about the right spot for Irv Smith anyways. Yep. Kyle asks in the chat, Irv Smith over Michael Mayer. I it depends on what you're trying to do. I think Mayer is a little bit beat up right now. He's a guy that that we like. I think Kyle, right now, if you want Michael Mayer, you can wait a lot longer. There's a lack of enthusiasm. If you play underdog, Michael Mayer goes in the 18th round. And I think like a lot of the I when you play best ball at FFPC, assume most of these players are playing underdog as well. There's a lot of like best ball drafters seem to migrate to the same places. And I think that Michael Mayer has been pushed down. I also think that there's a lack of enthusiasm for the Raiders offense in general, whereas the Bengals people really want, want parts of it. So 
I don't think you have to make that decision, Kyle. If you're big on Mayer, then make him part of your late round strategy. Bradley, where would we predict he goes in this draft? I would say like the 16th round, 15th round. Yeah, I 16th? think that's about right. Yeah. yeah, the Michael Mayer is getting pushed down due to the injury, and he'll, he'll start 40-60 with Austin Hooper. O.J. Howard isn't there, so at least there's not another camp body. But Michael Mayer, he should be the tight end, too, on the team. But by the end of the season, you're expecting Mayer to be the tight end one on the team. Yeah, his path is, like we've seen, like we had the big season for, for Kyle Pitts as a rookie, and we're hoping that Kincaid and Laporta can do that this year because I think they'll get the immediate chances at, at opportunities. And they're both in really, really good offenses. But the usual path we've seen for some of these rookie tight ends that have helped us in fantasy has been like the Pat Fryermuth path. We saw that with Chica Conquo last year, where guys end up getting more and more work as the season moves along, and you're able to put them in your lineup week eight on or something like that. So Mayer, I, I see as a guy like that. I wouldn't want to start him week one. But I think he might be the kind of guy that, you know, hey, week six, he's added in a lot of home leagues as a waiver wire ad, and he is able to make his mark on the offense as the season moves along. Bradley, you're a big Notre Dame guy. You like Mayer. Maybe you could talk about oh. his profile. And he's the real deal. He's, he is he's the a real talented deal. tight end. Very talented. He is an, he's a more complete tight end. Like Dalton Kincaid, we like for fantasy earlier because he's just going to catch passes. But Mayer is the full, he's the real deal when it comes to pass blocking, when it comes to receiving. He was the number one receiving option for the Irish the last couple of years. And teams had trouble covering him. And, and we look, I, I remember the first time I watched some, some Michael Mayer film. I'm like, wow, this guy is actually, he's playing really well. Like he's getting open. He's obviously being the number one read for, for the Irish. So I'm, I'm big on, on, on Michael Mayer in dynasty, but for, for this year in redraft, it's not going to, it's not someone that I'm, taking early and as Theo mentioned he's not going early so you don't have to worry about price really for a player like Michael Mayer and if you've got some Indy Vegas which is probably going to be under rostered from a correlation side that could be a differentiator when it comes to uh, a late round play especially at the tight end position I have too much uh, Vegas Indianapolis on underdog Bradley it's uh <laughs> it's gotten to be a thing I I, I don't I think see- it's very common Theo I have a ton of Anthony Richardson on underdog and I've, I've stacked him with guys like Pierce. And then during the Jonathan Taylor um, fall where he he's fallen to the third round, I've taken him in the third, then gone uh, Anthony Richardson with Alec Pierce and then tried to, and I've actually gone 17th round mayor with 18th round, Jimmy Garoppolo a few times as a super cheap way to get that correlation with Kobe Myers, maybe. So I have a little too much of that. It's I gotta, I gotta pivot off that. I've been drafting a lot of Jacoby Myers. He's going as wide receiver 58 on some sites. He went at wide receiver 50 in this draft. I should be closer to like wide receiver 36 or so. I think he's like a low end wide receiver three high end wide receiver four. And so he's definitely priced down given the concerns that the public has with the Vegas Raiders with Jimmy Garoppolo, the there could be implosion. There's even been some chatter about, 
oh, could Aiden O'Connell get a couple starts at the end of the season? <laughs> you talk to Billy. Billy knows that Jimmy Garoppolo isn't that good of a quarterback, and and he was very much a scheme, get it out quickly. When he was put under pressure, he would throw interceptions or throw it high. It was not a, a, not a player that t- a team would build around. And so I, we have concerns about the Raiders. I think the discount is too much, though, for Jacoby Myers. Yeah, I like Jacoby Myers, and I think that if anything happens with Renfro, Myers is going to see his ADP go way up. They certainly gave him a contract. There goes Michael Mayer right there in the 14th, so I guess the 15th, wow. I was I was off by a round. There you go. Okay, so I'm glad that Rondell Moore was taken because I really wanted to take him there, but I probably should not have. So I have a few guys I like here, but I think a chance to lean into Miami a little bit with Jeff Wilson this is a, a pick I, I like to make. There's yeah, some you were going to other... take Jeff Wilson last round. So yeah, and there's some wide receivers. Yeah, there's a bunch of wide receivers and running backs I like right here. Again, I'm done at tight end um, unless an exceptional value presents itself. But I think it's Jeff Wilson, and hopefully some of these other guys I like come back to me in the 15th. Yeah, there's been a lot of purple coming off the board between my – from my last pick, Jawan Johnson, Irv Smith, you got Luke Musgrave. We've mentioned earlier in the podcast, Jake Ferguson goes off at tight end 22 for the Dallas Cowboys. Then my boy, Tyler Conklin goes off. I was hoping Conklin or Henry or my stack of Dawson Knox. I was hoping Dawson Knox would come back. No Hayden Hurst. No Michael Mayer. No Trey McBride goes off as well. There's been a, a strong tight end run, but this is, I feel like they're all a similar tiered guys. And right now I'm like, oh God, there's some ugly tight ends here that, that I got to pick from, or I just keep punting it and then it's disgusting. So that's the problem with waiting on tight end. And I like, I feel like when you take an earlier tight end in this sort of tournament, it makes you not have to push purple when the run comes right. and you can pick your spots a little bit better, but it is what it is. You can make up for tight ends with volume. There's still a few tight ends that I'm very much interested in that are OT that are available. Yeah, I'm not, I don't want to miss out on on tight ends. And Isaiah likely is a is a player that I we liked his college production. He was one of the top receiving PFF grade tight ends. And if anything happens to Mark Andrews, we've seen We've seen Isaiah likely step in and maybe it is leaning into the wide receivers, but there are questions about the wide receivers as well. So we'll see if Isaiah likely can pay off some, some ADP value there. And I'm back on the clock. Sheesh. Jeez Louise. Yeah. Let's get, let's get another stack with no, 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 no. We're going to go with our tight end again. And that is we're high spike week guy, Taysom Hill. There you go. That's fine. Yeah, uh, I need. I like more. I think that ideally you would get uh, likely a little bit later, but I, I certainly think he's he's a, a great bet in best ball. Billy Muzio and I selected him when we did this uh, a couple weeks back uh, on first class fantasy when we did the same tournament. Likely is got so many outs to to weekly usage, so I'm I'm into him. And if anything happens with one of the wide receivers, he could see work at wide out. If anything happens to Mark Andrews, you've got yourself a, a top six play at the position. So right, I like him a lot. And he had 
of uh, to produce what he did as a rookie and then you get him as in the 15th round i think it's he's more likely than not baltimore is going to have two tight ends finish inside the top 24 and i think there's a chance even if mark andrews stays healthy the entire season that likely could finish like tight end 18 he's that good yeah it, this is a player that we we like his profile we like his outs so i it is a little early but as you could see i got i got annihilated on tight end here in rounds 13 and 14 so it is what it is so i'm gonna go back to the tight end to running back uh, i i was about I, to say i thought you were done with tight ends theo no i'm i'm done with tight end i'm gonna i'm gonna take ty j spears i like him i like it and i obviously he's a he's a high-end handcuff but i think he could have weekly touches he's a good player he is a player who I could see fitting really well with zero RB builds, and and for him to get be this late, yeah, it's he a good could value. Easily outproduce Elijah Mitchell a couple rounds earlier. You think that they're going to give Derrick Henry three hundred fifty carries again? No, I think that the offense could be a little bit more diverse. They showed it with the Hopkins signing, and then what they did in the draft the previous season, where they added. Traylon Burks, Chickaconquo. They've been trying to upgrade the skill position talent. They could have just a bit not been goofy and kept AJ Brown, and this would have been a moot conversation. But after they didn't want to pay AJ for whatever reason, they've they've been going back to the well. So I think the offense could look a little different. And at the end of the day, Derrick Henry is 29 years old and he has 700 and 1750 carries, somewhere right around there. Bradley, correct me if I'm wrong. So he's got easily the most carries of any active back in the NFL. He's ahead of Zeke. I I would that's actually something I'd like to double check. Career carries Zeke versus uh Derrick Henry. But I believe they would be the top two right now, Bradley. Is anybody else jumping you? Yeah, I think those are the top two. I, I don't think the veteran backs of Melvin Gordon or Latavius Murray got the volume earlier in their career that would match it. I think that those are, and Kareem Hunt had his issues. I don't think Nick Chubb is quite there yet either. No, Nick Chubb hasn't played long enough to, to have yeah. that. Mm-mm. So I think the volume is is there. Oh, there. I was going to take some wide receivers in those spots but i decided to push it because there were enough wide receivers that i like so hopefully some of those like marvin mims i maybe i could have stacked with mims but i've already leaned in a lot to denver here i have a ton of mims i think mims is a great 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 pick in this range there's some wide receivers left for sure oh yeah this is an interesting time in the draft i think you see people trying to play catch up at certain positions for me I'm again, I'm pretty much done at quarterback, done at tight end, and I can paint it green and yellow for the rest of the way. Whereas some of these other teams, I think, are, are going to be looking to try to add those late quarterbacks and add those late tight ends. Right. I'm all set at quarterback. I've got Wilson and Cousins and, and Josh Allen, of course. I'll probably be hammering a lot of running backs. I like ETN, I like James Cook. The AJ Dillon, A chain, Algier, I all expect to like ping pong, but to add a few more balls to the ping pong capability throughout the weeks. And I'm happy with how my wide receiver room is looking. So it's hammering the tight ends and, and running backs probably the rest of the way. Yeah. And I have a number of guys in my queue. I'm excited to see who lost to me here. 
I've got to dodge a couple of these picks, but I, I there's a number of guys I like. Yeah, there are there are a few late valued players that could come back around. We saw Chuba Hubbard here. That was a player that I like. Running back 55 could easily outproduce. We already talked about him briefly, but Hubbard was a decent pass catcher last year. It was interesting because as a as a junior, I believe he played pretty well, but then he went back for his senior year, did not play very well, and then came out, was drafted, what, fourth, fifth round by Carolina, a day three pick, and has just been relegated behind Christian McCaffrey, obviously, but even last year it was Donta Foreman who was getting a lot of the work. Yeah, I, I like I like Chuba. I think Chuba's interesting. I know that Raheem Blackshear, there's some people that, that like him in that camp as well. But it's the whole idea that Miles Sanders is receiving upside is gonna go way, way, way up with the team change. I don't know. I, I think it's more of a I think they intend on throwing to him more than he did in Philly, but that's never really been his thing. Uh, Chub Hubbard, uh, I think, could build on what he did last year receiving-wise. And apparently he's, you know, put on some weight, good weight this offseason. And I think he's interesting. We already see Sanders hurt. And if that turns out to be something substantial, then that's going to look like fantastic value for Chuba. Yeah, it's going to it's gonna be a weekly running back, too. And that's why in some of these drafts, it makes makes a lot of sense to push that running back, too, and just ping-pong it week to week in these best ball tournaments. Get your anchor, get your hero, and then just fade or go zero RB. The Rotoviz guy, uh, guys won it a few years ago in this best ball tournament. I think it was Dricko who won it. Using our zero yeah. RB, Connor Connor Driscoll. Yeah, yeah he, he had a zero RB build. There's been a couple of guys that have done well with the zero RB build. It's obviously you'd like to have a foundational piece at running back you can lean on. I know Pat Corain had the like the running back running back start last year when he won it, but like the FFPC, you have the tight end premium as well. So the where where drafters are are getting the the best value from, I think there's different ways to do your build. And different ways, different ways to skin a skin a cat, so to speak. There, as long as you draft the correct players in this sort of a format, anybody can win. As long as you don't get jammed at wide receiver, Bradley. I think that's a tough <laughs> that's a tough position to make up for this year if you're trying to play catch up at wide out. It is a it is a tough position. I'm looking at PFF here and Chuba Hubbard last year in among running backs with at least 15 targets he was running back 10 in terms of yards per route run i like the jalen hyatt pick right there Ooh, i'm actually gonna lean into this is a difficult decision for me i but i think i need to lean back into correlation and i'm gonna go with chase brown and hope that a couple of these other players wrap back to to me in the 17th I think Chase Brown is the cuff in Cincinnati. I think he's got a little bit of juice. Was a very high volume guy at Illinois. And I get him here in the 16th. Beggars can't be choosers when we're trying to catch up at running back. We know it's not Travion Williams, and we know it's not going to be Chris Evans. Both players fizzled last year. It was disappointing. I'm not a huge Chase Brown guy, but... Neither am I. I mean, but it's a roster. Yeah, it's a roster thing. And I do think that if if... Mixon were to go down tomorrow, knock on wood, obviously we don't hope for They'd injuries. They'd probably go free agent. 
100%. But whether, whether or not that would be a Leonard Fournette versus a Mike Davis, I think Chase Brown, they have a certain level of comfort with Chase Brown based on what they, how they ignored the running back position this season. So Samaje Piran was a guy that they liked, that they used substantially, and he left, went to Denver, and Chase Brown was the only one they've added. I think they like him a little bit, and I know there's some sharp money on, on, on him in Dynasty and also in Best Ball in some of these FFPC builds. Billy's a big Chase Brown guy. We can't get them all right here, Theo. But yeah, Chase I'm, Brown I'm not, might be you know, a <laughs> again. I'm not. I'm not pounding the table for Chase Brown, but I do think he yeah. has outs, and he fits your build too. You you have the pathway to running back two on this team. You mentioned Samaji Piran's not there, so we'll see if Chase Brown can carve out a nice little role. We will see. But I'm going to go with some wide receiver correlation. I've gone Minnesota already, so I'm going to draft Jaden Reed of Green Bay. Like round 16. Yeah, he fits well. And I'm just, I, I as the Green Bay guy, right? This is a, a player who's going to probably be the wide receiver two on the team behind Christian Watson. He was pushed up to the round two. I didn't have him as a round two guy, maybe round three or four, but the Packers drafted him for the slot role. And if Jordan Love, is uh, leaning on guys. It's going to be Jaden Reed. It's going to be Christian Watson and maybe some of the tight ends uh, as the pass catchers, if if not the running back. Yeah, I, I like that play right there. I, I I like him. We like the talent, and you've leaned into the correlation, so I think that's a fine pick here. All right, I think I'm also going to go with running back uh, Kendra Miller here in round 17. Okay, I I think that's a that's a great value. He's he's banged up, but it's not something like incredibly substantial. So I think you I think you did well with that pick. I think it's yeah, it was a value pick, and I need another ping pong ability here. And they drafted him round three. So for him to fit with an ETN Cook, Dylan A Chain, Algier build, I think it's just another player that that could ping pong. And I'm not he has pathway to to make my starting lineup and also some correlation with Taysom Hill. So there you go. And I'm coming up here and now I don't feel as pressed at running back. Again, I have a lot of potential handcuffs, which is annoying and less so with weekly usage guys, but hopefully I'll get enough out of those guys. Cause I like a couple of these wide receivers. Yeah. There's plenty of wide receivers that are still on the board that, can be producing fantasy usable weeks. Well, I went with a, you're a Michigan guy in, in the state you live in. I went with a Michigan guy in Donovan Peoples Jones there. I like him a lot in this best ball settings. I'm not a DPJ guy, but he's round 17 at this point and probably is still going to hold out Cedric, hold off Cedric Tillman for that wide receiver two, three spot. So uh, we'll see. Cedric Tillman did get, a lot of hype pre-draft one one of the draft rankers had him as a borderline first round pick but Donovan Peoples Jones has been in the system he's got the starting role he's going to play outside he's had a nice little floor Donovan Peoples Jones is a player that we can we can be leaning into here this late so Theo is he's already drafted Donovan Peoples Jones I wanted to I had in the queue KJ Osborne and Ty Chandler. 
So those are some Minnesota players that I was considering, but unfortunately with my Kendra Miller selection, they're no longer on the board. That's okay though. We've gone some, some Kirk cousins and Justin Jefferson. So right now my build is a three, five, three, six, five, three build. I actually have more running backs than wide receivers at this point. Which is not something I'm used to. Usually it's a start three wide receiver. Got to push wide receiver. But that was not the case for this draft. I was not hammering it after the Gabe Davis pick, which correlated or stacked with Josh Allen. So I'm, I feel like this is an open pick for me coming up, Bradley. Yeah. And I like a few of these guys. I I like actually a, a handful of these guys. I think some of these, there's, there's definitely a lot of values in the 17th and 18th rounds this year for whatever reason. There's definitely a number of wide receivers I think are, are very appealing. Absolutely. I, I'm surprised that KJ Osborne was still there. You're yeah, a tank Dell really- guy. So tank Dell is available there. I and, and Bradley, Hodgins. we took, we took tank Dell in our build, didn't we? You convinced me. You talked me into some tank Dell and you like, you like the way he looked in that preseason game, right? Bradley, you can't hate it. You can't hate how he looked. He looked like he was running away from everybody. This is, <laughs> I encourage you to go back and watch Bradley made fun of me. He didn't like the tank Dell pick, but he, he capitulated and, and we made the selection together. So that was, that was a lot of fun. And I think that was a round 20 pick, wasn't it? That was a 20 tank Dell. So we got good ADP value on that. That was back in the good old days when you get them in the 20th. <laughs> yeah. So tank Dell here going in the 17th. This is the preseason. Finally, we're getting some, a view of these day two wide receivers and tank Dell has as good of a shot as any to be a fantasy producer on this Houston Texans team. It's Nico Collins. It's Robert Woods. It's tank Dell. No one blows you away. I I'm not a Nico Collins guy. I don't think he's particularly good. Maybe this is the bias against Michigan wide receivers. Why I'm not a big fan of DPJ Nico Collins. I think that there's just massively limited upside, but at the same time, maybe it was the quarterback who was holding back Nico Collins. It, it that's the possible narrative. You're, was it year three, year four breakout for Nico Collins, possibly in Houston? CJ Stroud played well in Ohio State, but does Houston have enough pieces to be competitive? I'm not as convinced, but I think Houston believes they're going to be competitive because they traded their first round pick from this past year to acquire defensive linemen after the CJ Stroud pick. Yeah. No, I, I think it's I, I think it's it's interesting. I think they believe in a couple of the guys they have, and maybe it's a little bit misguided, but I think that Collins and, and Dell are gonna have every opportunity. And what which one delivers, that remains to be seen. But I think that Nico Collins is definitely a guy that we've liked the talent for. And certainly he's been disappointing in the touchdown department. But other than that, like he looks the part, he's a big physical wide receiver. And Bradley, back in the day, guys were allowed to break out in year three. Now everybody wants them to do it much earlier. I'm, I'm in on Nico Collins. He's actually my most rostered underdog guy right now, which is surprising. I, it wasn't like I was like, I have to get Nico every draft. It's just been like he seems to go in that portion of the draft where wide receiver is drying up, and I think he's got a clear role and, and so a little bit of talent to him. Yeah, he's got a 
he's got a clear role. He's probably going to be the wide receiver one on that team playing on the outside. So in a team that we expect to not be very good and playing from behind, he's going to get a high average of the target. No Brandon cooks anymore. He was a wide receiver about wide receiver 36 and PFF receiving grade last year. So it wasn't, he was respectable. It was fine. Like there, there's nothing to scoff at. Same thing with uh, yards per route run. He was back end wide receiver three, high end wide receiver four. So uh, we'll see if the Texans are good enough to give him the efficiency to pay off at that spot. But you can't really argue with how late Nico Collins has been going, although he has been steamed up in some places. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in on him. I think that Houston, I also think Dalton Schultz is a little bit interesting. I don't love him, but I think he's going to have very predictable volume and targets every week. He could be like this year's Tyler Higby. Again, he's very unexciting, but I think he, he could potentially pay off. They paid him a decent amount of money. I think it was a one-year $8 million deal or $12 million. They paid him a decent amount. And last year, Schultz was an 18 20% target share guy used in the red zone. Not super athletic, but the, the Houston Texans want some safety valves for C.J. Stroud as well. And that's why they brought in the likes of Devin Singletary. They brought in Dalton Schultz. So these are veteran guys who are going to bail out Stroud if he gets in trouble. I love my Darius Slayton pick in the 18th round. Oh yeah, that's he's one a of my guys guy for sure. That's one of my guys. I think he should be getting drafted a little bit earlier. I think there is a path that he leads all Giants wide receivers in in points this year. And he's so cheap. He had he had uh, many usable weeks last year, Bradley. Oh, for sure. He was a player that I'm you take for the spike week, his high average depth of target. He can break off a long touchdown. He's got nice speed. He was a player that was just back when Kenny Galladay was on the team. It was kind of a head scratcher because Slayton and Galladay played the same position. Look who's still on the team. It's Darius Slayton. Somebody's got to score wide receiver points in, in New York as well, Bradley. <laughs> so we're coming down to the, the, the nitty gritty here. We are. This is one of your last. These are two of your last three picks. I know. I know. And I'm thinking about hitting the wide receiver room again because there's not a lot of tight ends that that excite me at this point. Yeah, it's it's gross pickings, but we're going to go with a high spike week wide receiver as well. He's been getting some hype. And that is Michael Hardman. I like that. Billy takes him every single best ball draft. I've been taking him a ton uh, in the 18th round of underdog drafts. I think he's super fun. Oh, he's a lot of fun. He's a player that they've already worked some gadget plays for. Do, he can do some rushing. You can't argue with the 4-2 speed that Hardman has. They signed him in free agency, and they've got plans for him. So I don't, I don't hate it. Um, do we have any other tight ends that are interesting. I'm just um, sorting by you know, tight I, end. I, I, I think my the tight end that I think is super interesting to take at the end of drafts is Noah Gray because yeah. he saw a lot of work last year. We also have the fact that Kansas City is in 12 a lot. They they have double two double tight ends on the field, sometimes three tight ends to protect uh, Kelsey and to make defenses you know have to adjust for it. Get Kelsey fantastic matchups, but 
Noah Gray is entering year three. Noah Gray produced last year. We took him in the last round of the pros versus Joe's where we got caught at tight end and we're playing catch up in like a four tight end build. But he's been like my break glass in case of emergency. I need a tight end super late. And then from a best ball setting, I think Darnell Washington, Bradley in the 20th round has been an interesting guy because nobody's drafting him. He's very, very talented in terms of his athleticism. And I wonder if they're going to give him some kind of manufactured looks this year. There goes Josh Kelly. I would have liked to have had him. I went Cole Turner at that spot. I think that Logan Thomas deal has been dealing with injuries for a long time. Cole Turner has been getting a lot of run. And if Washington, the Eric B uses the tight end position in a similar way as, as how he did Kelsey, like obviously Turner's no Kelsey, but if there's, a scheme in place for a player like Turner to, to step up. Turner was a fifth round pick, decent athleticism, 73rd percentile agility, still 23 second year in the, in the system. Logan Thomas is trending down. Cole Turner, probably trending up. Yeah. Cole Turner looked good the other night. I'm going to go with a little bit of Kyron Williams here. I've taken Zach Evans and as well in some of these best ball formats, but go Irish. Go I'm going to go with the Notre go. Dame fighting Irish running back Kyron Williams, who we wanted to be a thing last year, but I think he could, he just couldn't get healthy. Yeah. The, that was week one, right on a kick return where it's good that the running backs once again are, are handling punts and kick returns, but if they get hurt, then that can derail things for sure. Yep. Absolutely. I would have liked to about Josh Kelly, though. Josh Kelly was just sitting there for me. I thought I was going to get lucky. You think Isaiah Spiller or Josh Kelly this year? I think it's Josh Kelly. I personally think it's Josh Kelly. Josh Kelly, (laughs) I'm struggling because he had never been a thing. But I also saw last year Isaiah Spiller taken in the fourth round and people were saying, oh, he's going to be a day two pick. Oh, he's going to be the compliment to I had a lot of Isaiah Spiller, partly because I was so heavy on the Chargers Rams game in week 17 last year. And I just wanted pieces of it. But also if Eckler goes down, Spiller's skill set would fit better, but he didn't become a thing. So I don't know how to nuance the situation. I think it's gross, but yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely an interesting one. At the end of the day, they've also been one of these teams that's been rumored to sign all these guys, mm-hmm. and it just never happens. That's always been the argument against Josh Kelly is, oh, they're going to sign Leonard Fournette. The, the, the dominoes have already started to fall, and right now it's if he can dodge Kareem Hunt and Leonard Fournette, I think Josh Kelly's the, the handcuff. Was that... Quarterback four. Team 11 has gone four quarterbacks, Theo. I've been watching. I have not been watching like the actual board because it's on there. But uh, yeah, that's a that's a little bit interesting. I I think that the four quarterback build, though, is necessary when you take Kyler Murray. Actually, not really because he has. And he Gino has and Goff. Jared yeah. Goff is the, the thing. Will, Will Levis pick is just I think it's a waste. He's I think Will Levis is not gonna even going to be the backup. I think it's going to be Malik Willis. I think Will Levis sucks. Sorry, Cody. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Cody, if you're watching this one, but I think Will Levis and Cody's really, really good with his quarterbacks, but he doesn't get them all right. Nobody can. Quarterback's a tough position to to, to prepare for. Yeah, to get right for sure. Anyway, 
I I'm not sure which way I'm going to go in the in the 20th round here. I, I actually had Allen Robinson as a way to kind of correlate with as a way to correlate with my George Pickens pick earlier. Yes, but that went away now. So I'm actually not 100 percent sure which way I'm going to go. Allen Robinson has been kind of like one I've leaned on. There's a, a late round wide receiver that I want to just smash really hard, and I hope he comes back around to me. That would correlate, but we'll see if we'll see if he can come to me. We're well, not I, here sniping in twenty rounds, but <laughs> I'm 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 absolutely going to take Justin Ross if he's there. That's um, fair. It's a fun story, and he's he's a player with a lot of talent that has had un- very unfortunate injuries. He got hurt again sh- today. I mean, Bradley, your Khalil Shakir is just sitting there for the twentieth round. Is is a uh, layup I, pick for you? I know Deontay Hardy already went off. I'm kicking myself. I know you're a big Deontay Hardy guy, but Shakir, I think, has a, he's a similar bet to Hardy. You heard that uh, that it's actually going to be Andy Isabella, right? He's been lighting up Bills camp. <laughs> we'll, we'll believe it when we see it. It's it's nice to see that Andy Isabella is, is as picked up with somebody, but I don't know. We'll see. It just it's all about Dalton Kincaid. That's what it's all about. Getting as many many targets to Kincaid as possible in the eleven point five personnel. That sounds that sounds not great for me because you took him from me, but it's okay. I'll forgive you, Theo. I could lean back into Cincinnati. I think Yoshivas looks pretty good mm. as a spike week guy, and nobody has him in this tournament. But I'm gonna go, I think, with I'm gonna take Justin Ross. It's the twentieth round. Let's take a bet. Trenton Irwin was hitting some spike weeks last year, which is gross, but <laughs> yeah, you're right. But again, I already have plenty of Cincinnati correlation. I don't right. want to over-correlate it, so I'm going to go Justin Ross. Yeah, go Justin Ross. There you Justin go. Justin Ross with the chef's kiss. There we go. There we go. There we go, Bradley. Oh, beautiful. Love it. All right, you got to end the draft for us. Who's going to be the, 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 the $200,000 play in the 20th? Yeah, he's still there. He's still there. We'll see. I mean, one one pick, unless this guy wants to snipe you. He sniped me last round. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna. And it's funny. I would. I actually had Mac Hollins. Shot, uh, hat tip to Team Four. Mac Hollins. I had in there with a little bit of Kyle Pitts correlation. He's he's the clear number four target on that team right now. I think unless Cordero gets sees an outsized number of targets as like a gadget guy. Mac Hollins. He looks good, Bradley. He looks like a beast. Yeah, Matt Collins could very well be the wide receiver too on that team, and he had some spike weeks last year. So this is uh, at round twenty play. We don't love the volume of Atlanta, but give me the wide receiver two on a team in round twenty. Yeah, honestly, the <laughs> we're my, drafting Deontay Hardy two two Atwells of the world, right? The the nineteenth round pick and twenty. Oh, there you go. So you get your nice little play nineteenth nineteenth and twentieth round there were a little bit tilting to me. I figured I'd get I I didn't think I would be drafting Kyron Williams. I've usually been taking Keontae Ingram in the in here, but I have way too much Keontae Ingram. So I went with a little Kyron. We'll see if that one pays off. In retrospect, I wish I could have changed that to Keontae. And then that Justin Ross pick, there's a chance that that's a zero. Whereas Matt Collins I don't think would be a zero. And I know Khalil Shakir would not be a zero. But Justin Ross definitely has the most potential upside of any of these wide receivers, but 
FFPC drafters are getting sharper and sharper. It's really hard to pull any sort of fast ones in the 17th, 18th, 19th, and 20th. So I I really like my Donovan Peoples-Jones and Darius Slayton picks. I think those kind of built on my strength. And this was fun, Bradley. I appreciate yeah, it. Maybe we'll get is- one more in before before the season starts. This is great. Yeah, we were able to I was able to get Tyquan Thornton round 20. So as a as a spike week candidate, correlate with Buffalo. That's a maybe he's spiking at the end of end of the season. Round 2 pick, 4-2 speed once again. So I've been leaning into into those late ones. Theo, it's been an absolute pleasure. I think you crushed it in the draft. I I got snuffed on tight end a little bit. I think your Dalton Kincaid pick doomed me at tight end for the rest of the draft, but here we are. Here it's okay. It's okay. It's this has been a lot of fun, Theo. And I know you've got the it was the right price for for Kincaid, so there's no hard feelings on that front at all. But it's listen, you got me on A chain. We got each other on the on the snipes. So we did. We did. We're good to go. We're good to go. But yeah, this was a lot of fun. I always like drafting with you, but I think we can squeeze one more in, Bradley, before the season starts. I think we'll be able to do it. Everyone, check out FFPC. Use the promo code UNDERWORLD. $25 off your first team when you sign up there. Theo, the people are going to follow you on Twitter at the OG Fantasy, Also, director of content at Roto Underworld Player Profiler. Any other plugs you want to make before we call it a night? Yeah, definitely watch press coverage this Friday. Should be Curtis Patrick of RotoViz. Check out First Class Fantasy. Billy Muzio and I are going to have Chad Schroeder, who's probably the best, the most successful, and probably the best uh, fantasy player to ever play fantasy. He's won everything. He's going to be on with Darren Armani, aka Fantasy Mojo, who provides some of the best ADP content available in all of fantasy. So, those two guys, it's going to be a really awesome double guest. I'm recording a Man versus Machine at some point this week. And yeah, we have a lot of very cool stuff. Look for next week. Bradley and I will both be competing in the Deep End Invitational that's put together by Mike Shope and Adam Krautwurst of the Deep End. That's I've had a chance to compete in it for two years now. It's really difficult. It's very fun. It, they have a lot of great high-stakes players against a lot of really good analysts, and a couple of really, really big names in the industry will be competing in that one. And we're going to have four shows next week right here on Player Profiler YouTube where you're going to get a chance to watch those drafts and We'll also be drafting a couple of these main events. If you like watching these drafts, uh, tune in tomorrow evening where Adam Krautwurst and Mike Shope, they're going to be drafting in an FFPC main event. They're actually drafting it at 10 o'clock tonight, but they don't want to get sniped at that kind of that kind of numbers. There'll be a couple more live draft announcements if you like this show, and we hope you guys crush your leagues. Definitely consider purchasing our all-in package and our draft kit. All right. All right. This has been great, Theo. Until next time, everyone, good luck in the best ball streets. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All-In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.